The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Imagine there is a, a battle. I don't know, kind of an epic war game or an epic sports competition happening this weekend. So imagine there's a battle. Uh, where are you in the battle? Are you a bystander? You know, you're, up in the, you're a fan up in the stands. Are you beaten down? You're on the field and you got run over. Clothesline and you're laying there going, ow, that hurt. Or are you paralyzed? You're on the line and you're looking at the 350 pound linebacker on the other side going, uh-oh, I'm in a lot of trouble. Imagine there's a battle all around you Where do you see yourself in the fight? Are you a bystander? Are you beaten? Are you paralyzed? Most of us, if we were honest, we spend most of our days feeling like we're in a battle, but we have no idea who we're fighting against. You say it. You've come home and you've said, man, I just feel beat up. But you're not, you don't really feel like it was your coworkers that beat you up. It really wasn't your boss. It wasn't that mean person that called you on the phone. It, it wasn't the rude person that cut you off. You just feel like life beats you up. Maybe you got into a discussion or a conversation or something happened. One word got exchanged, it became another word. And then you go home and you, you feel attacked. But you don't really feel like there's any one person that attacked you. It's like everybody ganged up on you. And attacked you. And, and then we, we make comments like, man, I just feel like giving up. You're not really wanting to give up on life. You just want to give up on the fight. You want to stop fighting. But you don't really know who you're fighting against. And so you don't know who to wave the white flag to. You're just tired of getting run over. You're tired of waking up, laying on the ground going, oh, that hurts. I feel hurt, I feel wounded. Some of you, you've turned the battle to against others and you've thought about giving up on them. Maybe you've, maybe you've talked about giving up on your marriage or walking out on your kids. Or maybe it's a dream or a job, a career, an education that you've, you've dreamed of, you've put a lot of energy into, you've put a lot of time into this, and now you're at a point where you just feel like kind of throwing your hands in the air and saying, I give up, I'm tired of the fight, I can't take the battle, I'm worn out, I'm beat up. I know, some of you guys, you're kind of sticking at your chest right now and you're like, not me, I get it. But this, is, this isn't a, I was trying to give a more appropriate term. This isn't a contest to try to figure out who's more macho. If we're honest, we all sometimes just feel beat up, beat down. We feel like bystanders and we're not really sure what our part is in the battle. And there are moments when we see the battle raging and we feel paralyzed. And so let's first talk about what we're up against. Now, in a previous sermon, uh, a few months ago, I actually did a whole message on the fight that we're up against and how we handle that in prayer. So I'm going to borrow a little bit of that for this message. I'm going to do a really quick review of the enemies we're up against. There's, there's actually three enemies 
that you're fighting that most of you didn't even know you were fighting against. The real one is the, the first one is the creepiest one. And this is the one that some of you might roll your eyes at and be like, I don't know about that. All right, just follow along with me. Uh, we call him the devil. There is a real, intelligent, evil being called the devil, who him and his demons are at war against God and all that is good. And his primary desire is to destroy all that is God's and all that is good and anyone who wants to follow God. He's jealous of the work of God and fights against God and he'll fight against you if you are for God. Or if he thinks that you are gonna head your life toward God, he'll cut you off and try to destroy you. The devil and his demons are at work in the world we live in and at work against your life to defeat you and destroy you. Now, just let me give you a little quick encouragement there. If you read the Bible and you hold to biblical truth uh, and you think that the devil is big and powerful and strong, let me encourage you that God is stronger. And if you're afraid that the demons are out to get you, just a quick encouragement. According to the Bible, there are th at least three times more angels than there are demons. So if you're seeing demons everywhere, you kind of missed the understanding of the Bible. God not only wins this thing, but he has more forces fighting for him. Okay, but there is, there is the devil and the demons. Okay, the second um, enemy that you're fighting against is the world around you. I don't mean everybody's against you. And I don't mean you'd be like, that's it, Patrick's right. I knew, you know, I knew the government was evil. No, 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 this isn't a conspiracy theory. Come back next week, I'm gonna talk about uh, we're going to do kick off a series called Let's Talk, and I'm going to do something really crazy and dangerous, and I'm going to start this series Let's Talk by talking about politics, because my whole goal is just to destroy the church, and so I thought I'd just jump in, but I'll save that for next week, okay? In the meantime, let's talk about one of our enemies, and we're going to call it the world. What I mean is this, we live in a broken, messed up world, and so the world around us is corrupted. Yes, including the government, but let's not go there today, all right? Everything about the world we live in is corrupted. So government systems are corrupted. The economy is corrupted. The media is corrupted. You're like, yep, I knew it. Here we go. No, 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 just follow me. Everything and everyone is corrupted and broken. And so the problem with that is they're putting things into your life that will wreck you. So you're gonna see a commercial and it's gonna create a temptation. You're gonna see a billboard or something else and it's gonna cause you trouble. It's gonna get you into trouble, you see? So it's almost like the world around you is plotting against you. I'm not saying it actually is, I'm just saying that's how it feels because we live in a broken, messed up, corrupted world. Then there's this third part and this is even weirder. There is an enemy inside you, we're gonna call it the flesh. We're going to call it that because that's what biblical authors called it. The flesh is our desires, the instincts inside of us to want to do wrong things. And this is the part of us that we all hate. None of us like the fact that we want to do wrong things, that we want to say the wrong thing. Now, I, I'm somebody who I can kind of entertain myself. I say a lot of jokes that I don't care if anybody gets. 
because I am my own comedian. And as long as I think it's funny, it really doesn't matter if you think it's funny. In fact, I do that in sermons sometimes. I say things and I don't really care if you think it's funny because I entertain myself. I'm, I'm just kind of messing around with you. But the point is, um, I can get myself in trouble because I think it here. And even if it doesn't come out, it's in there. And it's causing me problems. We have instincts and desires and we make decisions that go against what is best. We'll just call that the flesh. There's a war inside of you to destroy you. And you could be a bystander in the battle in your mind or in your emotions. Many of us are bystanders. Some of you are beaten by your own thoughts. Some of you, your thoughts start running wild or your emotions start getting crazy and you become paralyzed in the battle inside of you. So again, let's just recap here. You have the devil, the world, and the flesh. So let me give you a challenge. Don't get defeated by the enemy, nor try to defeat the wrong enemy. Did you catch that? Don't try to defeat the wrong enemy. Some of you are fighting to defeat those you love when you really should be fighting to win the battle in your mind or your emotions. You're fighting against your children when you should be fighting in prayer against the devil. Okay, I'm gonna get there in just a moment. So the apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, a church in a city that it wouldn't have taken very much to convince them that it's corrupt. A very corrupt worldly system. I mean, prostitution is one of the primary businesses. Paganism is the religion of the city. It's a center of exploitation, sex trafficking, abuse, the wealthy using their resources to abuse and take advantage of the poor. I mean, okay, not a very good city. The Apostle Paul starts a church there, and then he moved on and started other churches, eventually got arrested, and so he's in prison. And from prison, he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, encouraging them, imagine that, in prison, facing the death penalty, and he's trying to encourage a church in the city of Ephesus. And he writes this, check it out, Ephesians chapter six, and we're going to start in verse 10. He goes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He goes, hey, everybody, I know that you think it's your boss or your coworkers or that rude person that lives next door. I know you think it's your in-laws, or you think it's the sickness, or your financial struggles, because I want you to know that your responsibility is to recognize that there is a devil who's scheming and strategizing against you, and he is using all kinds of other spiritual forces to take you down. Your battle is not in the flesh, I mean, it's not in your physical body, it's not blood, it's not people around you. You have a spiritual battle raging, and so the challenge is, are you a bystander? Are you beaten? Or are you paralyzed? And he offers the answer to be strong and to stand in this battle. And so my challenge, your takeaway on this battle-oriented weekend is to stand in 
victory. I want to challenge you to stand in victory. I don't want you to be a bystander in victory. I don't want you to be beaten while others are experiencing victory. I don't want you to be paralyzed while the battle is raging around you. I want you to stand your ground in victory. Except it's impossible. So this is important. I've got to get this out right off the bat. It's impossible. Why is it impossible? Well, because you're not just beaten and feeling defeated. If you were to see yourself in the battle, you want to know where you are? Same place I am. Dead on the ground. And we didn't just get clothesline. One of those dudes ran us over, broke our neck, and we're done. This is really graphic. I should have edited this before it started coming out of my mouth. All right. Listen, because we're not talking about, uh, you know, the gridiron here. Or the, we're not talking about sports. We're not talking about some ancient battle. We're talking about a spiritual battle that rages around us. And because you and I are at war against the devil and against the world and against the flesh, we're not just being defeated. We were defeated and we are dead, spiritually dead. We already lost the battle. We're laying on the ground having already lost in our life. We live defeated, headed toward eternal ruin. That's the cost of losing this battle. And so when I tell you to stand in victory, it's gonna require something more than just you fighting harder, more than you standing your ground, more than you trying to get yourself back up off your feet to give it one more fight. I'm not telling you to fall down seven times and get up seven times. I'm not telling you to get back up and keep going at it. I am telling you, you and I already lost the battle. We've already been defeated. We are dead spiritually. We have no hope. Yay! Welcome to Life House. Hope you're having a great weekend. Hope you're encouraged. This is like a little bit like being in a locker room, and I'm like the coach, and I'm trying to give you a pep rally, a pep talk, going, let's get out there. You've already lost the battle. You don't even have to play one snap. You've already been totally defeated. That's right, because sin in you destroyed you. And the day you began this journey, sin, which is what allows the flesh to create desires and decisions that drive us against God, it's a spiritual force at work in us that has destroyed us. Good news. God came to face your fight. He faced down your fight and he won. This is the mission of Jesus. All right, let's jump back in. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, how are you going to stand your ground? How are you going to stand in victory? You're going to get back up. You're going to give it one more day. You're going to try a little harder. No, don't try harder. Don't get back up. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You're going to, Wave the white flag, and you're going to say, God, I need you to be my victory. What did Jesus do? Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. Oh, he saw that you and I were getting our rears kicked. We were, we, it wasn't just time to run out the clock. The enemy wasn't just, the enemy was piling on. He was pillaging. He was stealing, stealing. He was killing. He was destroying. He doesn't just want to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy grandchildren. He wants to destroy generations. He's not done until everyone is destroyed. 
And so God says, nah, not on my watch. And so God steps off of his fatherly throne and into the fight of his children, takes on our fight by becoming one of us in order to face our fight with the spiritual forces that we could never defend ourselves against. And so God takes on a spiritual fight. He put himself on the cross and he told the enemy, give me your best blow. Give me all you got. And as the enemy unleashed his worst, as all of the punishment of sin was poured out against Jesus. Now, I'm not just talking about the devil's attacks, right? There is judgment against sin that comes rightly from God. So not only is Jesus taking the full blow of the enemy's attack, he's also taking on the judgment we deserve from God, and he takes all of the fight on for us. He faces down our battle with sin. He faces our judgment, and Jesus, it looks like he is finally defeated when he hangs his head and breathes his last. But when he says it is finished, it has just begun. Because Jesus not only died, he was buried and then he rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he defeats the power of sin. He conquers the grave and he gives us eternal life. So anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of sin and given new life because your faith invites God's spirit to come in and live inside of you. And when God's spirit lives in your spirit, you are not only forgiven, but given new life. Okay, now, that you are on the side of God. You've picked a fight with the enemy, the devil, and you're gonna just, your eyes are open to realize that there is a world plotting against you. Not the conspiracy theory stuff. Just you live in a broken, messed up world. And you still discover that there is a flesh part of you, this sin part of you, that's kind of trying to wreck you. And so now what do you do? Well, Apostle Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do not try to do this in your own strength. Don't try to get back up and give it one more uh, chance. Don't just try to muscle up or man up and think you can pull this one off. You can't. Your victory is in Jesus Christ. You already won the victory for you. Now you have to stand in his victory. Now, how are you to do this? Let's jump back into the passage. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could stand stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he continues. Now he's going to unpack this for you and say, okay, so here's the first part I want you to recognize. All right. First part is this. I want you to recognize that he is calling us to stand against and stand with God. So we're going to stand against the spiritual enemy. We're going to stand in God's power, right? And so how, the, the point is that maybe if you, one of the words he uses here is we are not, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The word here, another way you could translate it is uh, our wrestling match or our hand-to-hand combat. And I don't know if anybody here, maybe maybe at each of our campuses, maybe you have brothers or like mean sisters. (laughs) All right, Uh, maybe you've got kids and um, you decide to wrestle. So I've got three little XY chromosomes at home. And they wrestle different than my girls do. 
My girls, when, when I wrestled, and by the way, this is in no way, you know, being chauvinistic, just kind of my observation raising my kids. Um, my girls, when I wrestle with them, it's kind of like a tumbling dance. It's my attempt to not have them hurt each other. When I wrestle with the boys, I'm trying to survive. <laughs> I'm trying not to get need in the head or the privates or whatever. And they don't look first. Like they run, they close their eyes and they stick their knees out. And they don't really care where they land. And, uh, I, I, and, and if you let up, like I'm daddy and I'm like, okay, I'm hitting the floor. I'm tapping out. There's no tapping out. Just when you think you tap out, they dive off the couch. Yeah! I didn't even know they knew who John Cena was. No joke. My two-year-old, he has a little rock, the rock and John Cena figure. And then they practice on daddy. And they don't go five minutes like they do in the MMA, which is exhausting. Like I've watched them like five minute rounds, just die. Like I'm done. These kids, they don't know five minutes is not, is up. Like ding the bell, open the cage, let me out. These kids, they're like, ah! And then, and then they tag team. I mean, thank God Caleb's small because he can't get to me yet. And so I'm trying to protect him while the two are attacking daddy and they don't let up. And that's what he's talking about here. He goes, your struggle, your wrestling match, when your brothers won't let up and they're just beating on you and you're like trying to tap out and like, ah, oh. and just when you think that you're like, finally got to escape, they come around the corner and they're clotheslining you. I have three brothers, okay? I was number three of the four and my, and my younger brother was bigger than I was most of my childhood. So I was always the little guy out and I was always having like sprawl. I mean, that's why I'm such a fighter. All right, here's the point. You are in the fight of your life and the enemy's not letting up. Acknowledge that you're in a fight. He's not backing down. He's not letting up. He's not going to let up on your marriage. He's not going to let up on your kids. He's not going to let up on your finances. He's not going to let up on your heart or your mind or your emotions. You're going to fight. So stand in victory. Now, how are you going to fight? Okay. Let me, I, I want to make sure I got your attention. Now I'm going to bring it in. All right, here you go. Here's how you're going to fight. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So you didn't come to church. You came to an armory. And when you go to God in prayer, and when you wake up in the morning and you open the Bible and you begin to spend time alone with God in prayer, you are not going to prayer. You are going to the armory to be equipped for battle. Therefore, put on the full armor of God with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let's keep going here. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which, is, which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Okay, so the apostle Paul, here's where he is. He's in a row. Roman prison. And you know what they have in Roman prisons and around Roman prisons? Roman guards. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus that happens to be a prominent Roman city occupied by Roman armies. And so he uses the picture, a metaphor of Roman armor to help them understand how you need to get equipped for the battle around you. All right. So the point is this, be equipped for victory. Um, don't just wake up like you're going to the beach, put on your board shorts, a little t-shirt, you know, put on some flip-flops, walk out, 
into your day. Like, yippee, it's, a par- it's paradise, it's a party. Because you're gonna get destroyed. He says, no, no, you need to be equipped for victory. So how are you gonna get equipped for victory? Remember, when you come to church, you're, you're not really going to church, you're coming to an armory to prepare for battle. And every day when you get up and you spend time alone with God in prayer or in the word or in worship, you're coming into the armory, not just into the presence of God. And so what are you gonna put on? Well, the first thing he says for you to put on is the belt of truth. And so let's focus, let me give you some really quick thoughts here. What I wrote about this was the belt of truth. Um, A belt in the Roman soldier's gear holds everything together. Think more like um, if you see a police officer and they got all their gear on their belt, right? Kind of holds the whole thing together. And so what he's saying is wrap yourself, hold yourself together in God's truth so that you can hold up against the lies. What is the opposite of truth? A lie. You know what the, you know what the enemy's primary weapon against you is? Lies. So he's going to put lies in your thinking lies in your emotions. People are going to say lies about you. You're going to believe lies, right? Because the enemy knows it doesn't have to be true. You just have to believe it. Think about that. It doesn't have to be true. Just somebody has to believe it. And so the, the battle to stand against lies is the belt of truth. Wrap yourself. Hold yourself together in truth. Lies. What lies have you believed? What lies lies have others said to you that you believed? You never fact check it. You never verified it. You never filtered it through truth. You just believed it. You let the enemy fire his greatest weapon against you and got you defeated and discouraged and beat down in battle simply because you believed a lie. You believed a lie about yourself. You believe the lie about someone you love. You believe the lie about God. You believe the lie about the church. You believe the lie about God's word. And the enemy's got you right where he wants you. In deception, in discouragement, in disappointment. And so the way you stand against that, the armor you put on is the belt of truth. You put it on, you wear it, and you hold to God's word and God's truth, which keeps you strong and holds you up against the enemy's lies. Let's keep going. The breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is this word that means I am perfect and I do what is right. He's saying we're not going to be perfect in our own. We were never good enough. We can't be good enough. And so what guards my heart is that God is good. God did what was right and he covers me with his righteousness, which makes me right. Now, when the enemy tries to lie to me and tell me, well, you are tempted, you may as well do it or you did it before, you may as well do it again. You've already messed up once, why not do it again? No, 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 I'm not gonna believe the lie. I have the righteousness of God on me. God is the one that has made me good. God is the one that covered me in his purity, in his righteousness, in his beauty, and I'm wearing the things that make me who God says I am. Breastplate of righteousness. Now let's put on the boots of the gospel of peace. He goes, feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Well, here's what I want you to think about. You are gonna stand on the good news that God has already won the battle you're facing. These are not flip-flops to go to the beach. These are boots to get to battle. And you keep your boots on. Soldiers, when they're in the battle, they don't take off their boots. Keep your boots on. What are your boots? The gospel, the good news that God has already won the battle. 
Keep it on. Keep it in your mind. Keep it in your heart. God has won the victory. God has rescued me from sin. And so I'm constantly wearing my boots. Why? Because I have to walk through some messy stuff. You're going to go through some tough times. You're going to walk through some difficult seasons. And when you walk through them, you're going to make sure that your your feet are fitted with the boots that God has won the battle you're facing. And when things get messy around you, make sure you're wearing the good news that God has already won. Okay, the shield of faith. You're going to hold tightly to your faith in Jesus Christ, which protects you against the unexpected attacks of the enemy. Think um, like movies like Gladiator and Lord of the Rings and Braveheart. When they would fire the arrows, what was on the end of the arrow? Fire, right? So they're launching them, fire, and then what happens is it lands and it causes fire to erupt around them. Burns things up and the enemy will fire anger at you and bitterness and revenge and hurt and hate. And when it hits, it erupts and it causes a fire inside of you and it causes fire in your home and fire in your finances. And what Paul is saying here is guard your life with the shield of faith, meaning I trust God. When the enemy is firing, here's what they would do. They would soak their shield in water so that when the enemy fired, it would not only protect them from the arrow, but it would extinguish the fire. When you believe in God and you trust God, it protects you from the arrows and it puts out the fires, the fires of anger, the fire of revenge, the fire of bitterness, the fire of hurt, the fire of hate. You get it? Fire of jealousy, anything that the enemy could try to use to create fire around you. Then the helmet of salvation. Keep going here, the helmet of salvation. This is God's good news, protects your mind, your thinking, your decision-making. Hold up, we're gonna get to this part in just a moment. So first, the helmet of salvation. This is how God protects your mind, the things that you think. He gives you good news, his promises, so that you think right, so that you make right decisions, so that that you're not losing your cool, so that your head's screwed on tight. He gives you his good news, the promise of his salvation. Now let's keep going. The sword of the spirit. The only weapon he gives you is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Some of you have come into the battle defenseless. You have no weapon because you don't know God's word. You haven't studied God's word. You're not using God's word. Let me challenge you. Get in God's word. Use God's word. Apply God's word. Obey God's word so that you have a weapon when you get into battle. Some of you are swinging the word of God wildly, out of control. You're hurting the people you should be helping. Get control of God's word in your life. Study it. Apply it. Live it, obey it, so that God's word becomes a weapon that you can use to guard and fight for. And then finally, we have prayer, which is your primary communication tool in battle. Think about an army that has no ability to communicate. That's how most of us live. So we have prayer so we can communicate with God, so we can get direction from God, and we can lay our burdens before God. Keep the lines of communication open. And then let me give you a final challenge. And that is this. Let me, let me read to you that final, the final part of the verse. If you guys could just jump ahead to Ephesians chapter 6, where he writes this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. You kind of pick up a theme. Four times he says the same challenge, stand. So I want to challenge you to live in victory. Live in victory. Walk in victory. Wake up every day standing your ground in victory. 
That means don't back down. The enemy's going to try to lie to you that you're defeated. The enemy's going to try to lie to you that you can't stand your ground, that you shouldn't stand your ground. Meanwhile, if you could only see God that is for you and the forces of good at work around you and all that God is doing to give you victory, how sad it must be in heaven to look down and see the people of God retreating from the victory of God. So stand your ground. Face your fight. It's a fight worth facing. Learn to fight for. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Fight for your community. Fight with. Fight with those that are strong. Fight with the church. And I don't mean fight with. I don't mean fight against each other. I mean fighting alongside of. Fight alongside the people of faith. Fight alongside other Jesus followers. Get involved in the church so you're fighting alongside of the church as we face the fight that God has put in front of us. It's a fight worth facing. In fact, let me land it with this challenge. Do not be a bystander in the battle that God is winning in our community through the church. So let me, let me get your attention. This weekend, there'll be 120, about 120 people on the field and 65,000 fans in the stadium cheering as about 92 different people get in and out of the game or can get in and out of the game and they're gonna beat each other up and they're gonna bloody each other up and we're gonna be cheering and we're gonna be throwing chips at the TV and chowing down our hot wings and whatever, but we're never, and you're gonna say things like, my team, that wasn't your team, you didn't do anything. You thought you did, you prayed for it and you cheered for it, it didn't make any difference. But those 92 players, they own the battle. A team's gonna win, a team's gonna lose. 60 people are gonna go home feeling defeated. 60 are going to go home feeling like victors. 65,000 will have participated in making a lot of noise and spending a lot of money, but will have done nothing on the field. And so often people come into church and they get plugged into church and they think that they are fans watching a few fight. And you think that you've come to cheer a few people serving and a few people giving. Statistically speaking, 8% of people actually tithe in the church. About 20% will give in one way or another. About 20% serve. About 20% get involved in a life group. So listen to me carefully. Don't be the 80%. Don't be that. We're not like the big game. We invite 65,000 people out of the stadium down onto the field. You get a part in the game. You have a part. You must play your part in the game. Can you tell me a little excited? Could you imagine what would happen in our community if every one of you got in the game? If every one of you got into be part of the victory, the battle's already won. Don't you dare watch from the stadium. You have a part, a necessary part. Get in the fight. You've been given the victory, walk in victory, be part of the victory of God in and through the church. And so let me challenge you with this. I was gonna let you off the hook, but I'm just gonna challenge you. I wanna see every one of you 100% participation, that you are gonna find your place in serving in the church. You're gonna become part of the victory. And so I'm gonna pray over you, and then I'm gonna let you watch a, vi a video so you can figure out what part you have, all right? Sound good? All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity. You faced our fight. 
You invited us to stand in your victory. It's a victory we couldn't earn, we didn't deserve, but God, you fought for us. You won the battle for us. You give us the victory, and then you invite us to put on the armor of God so that we can walk in the victory of God on a daily basis. Now, God, I pray that you begin to tap every shoulder here. Every person, they recognize they have a unique giftedness, a unique skill set, a unique calling, that they have a part in the battle of God. And they're going to be part of the victory as they begin to do their part. And so some right now, you're tapping them and you're inviting them into various different roles within the church or through the church. And I pray that every one of them would simply say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.